can I like tell you about this painting I'm making? This piece of art I've been working on. Teach your own horn. To, I'm Don't be humble own, about I'm it. Teach do your own it. horn. It's so cool and it's so good <laughs> and it's like a breakthrough in the kind of art I've been making lately. So mm-hmm. it's not done. I had to leave it there. Okay. Because it was wet and I oh. couldn't pack it. So I don't currently uh, okay. have it in my possession, which means I can't finish right. it right now. And I'm dying to finish it. Um, okay. It's a 52, 48 or 52 inches by the same. It's a square. Okay. And it's nine right. panels. And okay. I'm doing a pattern work in a way that I have never touched before. This this kind of pattern work. Yeah. I thought I thought it was like approaching the end of the grid system, the grid era, you know? Uh, and I was okay. like getting ready to retire it because I've been working on it for like three right. years now. I've been doing geometry for seven and I was like, maybe it's time to move on to something else. Uh, not away from geometry, but away from the grid. But then I got to the residency and I started seeing mm-hmm carpets all over the place and you're i know what you're thinking carpets oh. definitely how unusual <laughs> but these carpets no 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 parisian <laughs> carpets yes holy cats yes, yes yes this chateau has so many carpets because the chateau is under under construction all the time and all the floors are just okay. plywood right now and so they just cover it in okay. carpets and hope that you don't notice but my eyeballs are like look at those <laughs> colors <laughs> and uh, i was like that's cool I have got to start looking at these patterns because I think they're so interesting and Mm. a lot of them have like really cool frames and stuff and so I was like pulling the colors from these carpets which are like really rich perylene reds and like Prussian blues and a lot of ochre colors like all the yellows tend to be very like earth tones but all the blues and the reds Mm -hmm. are like bow and um right I was like these are so cool Well, because yellow Yellow ochre comes from France. Did you know that? It originated in France. Isn't that sweet? I learned that there. I was like, wow. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Jojo told me that. He's like, it's actually, their dirt looks like that color. I was like, <laughs> what? He's like, yeah. And they use, of course, they used it to make houses and stuff there. So that color is very prevalent. And I was like, Everywhere. what? It's glorious. Yeah, it's crazy. It's glorious. And so I was like, okay, I love these colors. And I did one painting that's kind of like a landscape, which I can show you. Hold on. Okay. So this is the same color palette as the big one. And it looks, it looks like this. (laughs) Oh. Okay. So you can see what I'm doing here is in every other pattern. And I'm starting from like this side with green. And I'm zigzagging a gradient all the way down to the lower right corner, which is brown. Right. Okay. And then from right. this side, we start with blue and it turns into red at the bottom. But because I'm doing the highlight at the very center, it creates this like peak and becomes like almost a, uh, like a landscape, right? Yes. 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 This one's called it. Settled In. I sold it there to one of the residents and I was like, it's so cool. I'm going to mount it on board and ship it off to her, but... What Shut started up. from that became a the the every other pattern just like hooked me and I was like, oh, okay, we have pattern work now. So then I was like, I have this giant painting that I stapled to the wall. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna yeah. do with it, but I was like, let's put the grid on it and let's just go. So I put the grid on it and I was like, what if we played with every other pattern, every two patterns, every three patterns, and just layered diamonds over and over in different colors, um, and. Uh, then here we are. And now I have this super complicated mm-hmm. giant painting that I 
don't even know what it's going to look like when it's finished because it's so enormous and there's so many patterns work. But I have like one more pattern yeah. piece to do with it, which is going to get rid okay. of most of the white you were seeing in the photos. Okay. And then it'll be done. And I'll be like, holy cats, what have I created? It takes forever. They're cool, it, though. It's very kaleidoscopic to yes. me. Yes. Yes. It like glimmers. It like does funny things. Yeah. To your eyes. Yeah. Like that one that you have in your hand. Like, yeah. I could swear that that is gold leaf, like on the right hand side of it. <laughs> right? Isn't it shiny? It's... Yeah. It like, yeah. It's, it's so crazy how it affects that. Yeah. It's good. It's it's really fun. And yeah, the the opportunity to like make stuff and like have no responsibilities at the chateau and just like just focus on okay, one, two, three, paint this one, and then we count one, two, three, and then we paint the next one, and then like just like I felt like mm. I was going insane counting the pattern out and doing the math to make sure the patterns would line up correctly. And then like new shapes started happening and it's I cannot wait to work with this motif throughout the entire next year. And I'm like if I keep making big paintings, will someone buy them? Can 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 I make a, a suggestion? <laughs> yeah, tell me. Um, I'm sure there's a way to do that on the computer ahead of time. <laughs> Probably out, so you don't have to guess anymore. You just like look at the paper. It would be nice, and you're like, oh, that color, yeah, and you can see if it works or it doesn't. <laughs> that way, you can adjust. I mean, it's fun to adjust in the moment. Like sometimes you have to feel it, even if you do you know print it out like you've kind of finished it on yeah. the computer and then you get it up and you're like mm, that's just not working for me and like in real life it's not working for me something's not there then you can adjust but just so it's like for speed you I know hear you. it may be helpful to do that using the tools of our technology see, yeah I mean I could see how you could get <laughs> lost I mean there's so many freaking triangles like I don't know how you keep track of all of it like to be honest I yeah, like my brain does really well with that. And my brain is just like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not OK with that. <laughs> there is if you talk to any of the artists that were with me, they'll be like, yeah, Steffi like kept just like hating her idea over and over again and being like, if I just oh, commit yeah. to it, it'll work. If I just commit to it, it'll work, even though it looks like trash now. If I just commit and I was right at the end, but um, <laughs> they're, all, they're all like teasing me. They're like, do you like your work yet? I have a have an hour. <laughs> You're like, it hasn't turned the corner yet. Give me a minute. I'm like, the magic thing didn't happen. And the magic thing doesn't happen to like the very end with these paintings. It's like mm -hmm. you got to get, you got to cover yeah. one, the canvas, and then two, fix mistakes. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm stoked to finish it. I think it'll get mailed to me at the end of December and then I can finish it in January probably. I, I probably nice. have like eight more hours on this painting. I'm stoked. Okay. I think it's going to be great. Um, yeah. It's already great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be yeah. absolutely selling prints of it so you can configure it in a nine set Ooh. square at home. Um, oh, one to one really? Size. Yeah. That's cool. It's going to be sweet. Yeah. Um, That's a great idea. I'm so stoked. I'm so excited. Ah, it's going to be fun. Make it art. Perseverance is our greatest tool, man. Mm hmm. If you okay. just hang in there and give it a moment and let it do its thing it usually finds its way out it's gonna find its way out it's gonna work out and yep. i feel like that's a good segue into art book club <laughs> uh-huh yes it's, it's, it's like you set it up for that 
Principles. Well, I you know I I am a professional here. You are so. you are a professional, <laughs> even though you don't get paid, and neither do I. No, um. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Friends and foes, welcome to Art Book Club. I am so excited to have Visual Nomad Jennifer here with me today to talk about The Agony and the Ecstasy by Irving Stone, which is the book we've read for the last two months. And starting off with our usual question, did you finish the book? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I also didn't finish the book. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Now I don't feel so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it is a big book, though, in it's our defense. It's a very big book. It's a, it's a lot. So. It's a 34-hour mm. audiobook, I believe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's so long. It's yeah. so long. I'm like, I feel like we needed four months to read this book because it was... Yeah. It's a doozy. Well, How far did you get it? It's broken up into books. Yeah. Like, the way I, I read it, it was like, book one, book two, and you're like, what? <laughs> So I did not get super far into it. Um, I did get into the second book so far. So I I haven't gotten super far into it, but I've gotten a good idea of what they're trying to portray mm-hmm. with his life. You know, where he came from, how, how he was like, how he became who he was, you know, and, um, just his home life and how he weaseled his way into not only getting an apprenticeship, but having his master actually pay him to teach him, <laughs> which is epic. <laughs> which is just the, sh- well done. the start of his shenanigans throughout his life. Um, to give yeah, y'all no, right? a grasp on how large this book is, I am 20 hours into it. I'm in book six. Um, chapter 15 of book six and he's only 22 this man lived to be 90 (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it really takes it time it really goes and it goes and it goes in detail um i'm gonna give you a little history into this book before nomad and i kind of talk about it i learned that i learned that michelangelo or not michelangelo irving stone the author had all of Michelangelo's letters, which was 495 of them, translated before he started writing this book. He, he like, okay. ar- arranged from the, someone from the University of California to translate them all. And then he was like, I'm going to write this novelization of a biography, because that's what this book is, as well as I can mm-hmm. with as much hard data as he could find. And when you have 495 letters, that is a lot of data to work with. So what you're getting is a really... A fairly accurate representation of what Michelangelo's life was like, especially in the early years. And mm-hmm. um, this book was written in 1961 and is just kind of a classic biographical novel, I think, in its own right. It's super detailed. Like, you go really, really into Michelangelo's life. You're learning a lot about his character, his opinions, the way he looked about looked at art and kind of the early relationships he had that really some of them mm-hmm. lasted a long time hello and um it's just kind of a super novel i it's yeah it's so long it's a thousand no sorry it's 776 pages in paperback okay 34 hours 
audiobook and it is just a behemoth as we said at the beginning yeah Mm -hmm. um this book is full of drama there are (laughs) there are some scandalous things in this book that made me like drop my spoon while i was cooking and being like what is happening (laughs) i don't think you got to um nomad so spoilers ahead for some of the things i'm going to talk about um during my portion of this review um because I I want I'm definitely going to keep reading, but I just I feel okay. like you got to know some of these things. So can we let's let's start with you. What do you think so far of book one and part of book two? Um, I thought they were great. Like I thought that you know this approach to describing somebody's life was really interesting because it puts you in their shoes to show you their life. Yeah. Um, you know I don't know how much was embellished in all of that but just like to to see like so at one point um michelangelo was beaten as a child he came from a very well-off family who had basically all but lost their fortune because of another family member before his father um his mother had passed away so he had a stepmother a grandmother siblings that all lived in the same house. Uh, his grandmother was the only one that really ever showed interest in his art. Um, his father was trying to put him in the was it weaving guild or whatever it was mm-hmm. um, to make money. Because he's like, unfortunately, you're going to have to make money with your hands. Um, his dad did not have to like work for his money. He had it. He managed his money. Um. And it's just funny because you see his father so stressed out about every penny that they have. And he juxtaposed this with a story about his stepmother who loves to cook. And she would only use the best to cook. And she would wake up at four in the morning Mm -hmm. to go to the market to be able to get a jump on everything before everybody got to it. And his father and his stepmother would sit there and fight every morning about how much she would spend. And she would leave the house and he'd be really grumpy. And he says by noon, when the smell had wafted under his office door, his his father was so ravenous that he didn't care about the morning. He said, and then by night, whenever the food had settled and been digested, his father would go back into the cycle of being upset about how much was spent on the food. What a daily routine. I know, right? (laughs) Um, But, and his stepmother is hilarious. She's just like, you know, what is your problem? Like trying to get him to laugh and lighten up a little bit. Um, But he talks about the part where he comes home to tell his father that he's taken up an apprenticeship. And he hasn't told his father that his that he's going to be paid to do this. Uh, and his father's like, you know, basically you're a failure. Why would you want to do that? You don't have any money. How are you going to do this? And he's like, well, I'm going to get paid, you know. And he's like, you know, but his uncle and his dad had already started to physically beat him for taking this position. and. The only thing that saved him was his grandmother comes up and is like, what is going on in here? Like, what are you doing? Like, leave him alone. Like, I'm sorry, 
We have no money. It doesn't matter where he makes money. He's going to have to work for it anyway. So why not let him do what he loves doing? Mm -hmm. And so his dad finally just like calms down and just like leaves him alone. But just to hear that that's what he came from of, you know, he didn't even have any real support other than his grandmother. You know, I think that's a huge thing that is very understated about artists is the support system that we have to have totally and able to do what we do because it literally is a daily berating of what you do for a living. I don't know if you feel this way, but I get this a lot when I meet people for the first time and they ask me, Oh, what do you do? And I tell them I'm a professional oil painter they kind of look at me sideways, like, what? How? How? Yeah, what? And how? I'm just like, how is the number one question? I yeah. Get? Yeah. How? And it's just like, I, I, you know, I can explain it as it's just like any other job you have to work at or any business you have to build. You're trying to sell something. You're selling an object. Doesn't matter whether it's a widget that you can use or whatever. It, it's a business like any other. You just have to be smart about it mm-hmm. and you can make a living at it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just to hear that and to understand that it goes all the way back there to where, you know, even somebody as great as Michelangelo struggled with that, like constantly struggled with that as a person where he came from. Like, you know, I'm reading the part where he's finally gotten into the palace Mm-hmm. And they've set up a, a space for him in the artist quarters. And there's a courtyard outside that's full of marble that's for him to carve. Like, and he wakes up and he's like basically pinching himself. Like, I can't believe that I'm here. <laughs> like, this is my life. Like, what? And, and, you know, as an artist to have that moment where it's like, I'm actually supported in what I'm doing. Like, I I have materials, I have tools, I have resources. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to wonder where the next block of marble is going to come from. It's literally outside the door, you know. It's um, so good. I yeah. feel like the story is over and over again a lesson about getting the support you need from wherever it takes if if you're not born with mm-hmm. it if the only person who's supporting you is your aunt and even then she does not have a lot of power to get you there you have to go find the people who are going to support you and for michelangelo the first mm-hmm. one, true one was um was lorenzo the magnificent who mm-hmm. who saw his work and saw him working about and <laughs> saw Michelangelo's little was it a satyr I think at first that he made or the cupid I think it was a cupid mm-hmm. and it was it was mm-hmm. a small statue and mm-hmm. was like you are gonna study under this one last remaining <laughs> stone carving master yeah. that's barely still alive and you're gonna study under him for as long as I'm in power um and then <laughs> and then you know Life happens, really dramatic life happens. And Michelangelo is just constantly trying to find the next patron that's going to support his work. And sometimes that is someone with a lot of power, like a pope. And someone, sometimes it's like a family for like a single Mm -hmm. object. And 
it's it's his greatest struggle i think the greatest one of the greatest agonies he has Mm -hmm. because i think even as much as art was patronized not in a bad way but as in monetarily patronized Mm -hmm. um back then as opposed to today he still struggled to find a source to get that patronage yeah um he was lucky that he got into the medicis you know they had a ton of money they loved their art so it was like he had an open pocketbook to do what he wanted to do because it was one of the things that they loved you know so and i just i think it's funny so the first teacher he studied under this is one of the things i highlighted he said to kind of give you a a mindset of some of the the masters back then he says sketches are nothing only the fresco counts i shall destroy these which he means his sketches mm-hmm. of the fresco that he's going to do and it's just like so the only course. thing that matters is the finished work <laughs> you know it, it you know and to to carve stone was a less than thing like it was one of the lower arts that you could do um and it was looked down upon even in the art community Mm -hmm. it was painting or drawing and that's Mm -hmm. it that's Mm -hmm. all you did um and so yeah it's just it's wild to see that they even had those boundaries back then that were imposed on them even though he kind of laughed about it and went behind his teacher's back and did whatever he wanted anyway and kind of got his teacher to go (laughs) along with it, which is really funny just to see how resourceful he was like to even read that conversation that he had with his, you know, with his master about paying for him to go to school. He's just like, you know, my father can't afford this. You're going to paint him to let me go. And he's like what he's like it would be an honor for you to have me as your student the audacity and you know and he, <laughs> it's just like and at first his teacher is like who is this kid and then as he keeps talking he's like he buys into a hook line and sinker and michelangelo does this several times to him and it, it's just so funny to see this guy that you know his friend tells him you know you know be quiet be respectful talk good about him he likes to hear about himself that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and you'll be fine and michelangelo just walks in there and in the first breath is basically like says whatever he wants but he turns it into a like oh this will make you look good he plays the ego really well i think that was his gift was that great lesson not only a great sculptor but he could socially engineer a human being so mm-hmm. well it's frightening <laughs> if you want to succeed somewhere and there's someone in a position of power above you if you can make them look good you are gonna win it's just that's kind mm-hmm. of universal but especially with artists mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 um this oh. this is such a great book i really loved it it's this is my second read through my first read through was in 2015 so i would forgotten a lot of the details um and i just like reading this book feels like being in florence it feels like you're you're there there's so much atmosphere happening and like the way that people talk Mm. and then at some point um when 
Michelangelo is like 18 or so. I believe he goes to he goes to Rome and then it talks about like the differences of what it's like in Rome versus Florence and the political powers that are happening. And it's just I, I don't know when I when I read it, I'm like, I can feel like the heat of the, the summers there on me. I can feel like what mm. it smells like and how dusty it is and how how just like full of life and, and like chatter this book mm-hmm. feels like it's just full of like talking all the over place just like lots of people doing lots of things and mm-hmm. i i just felt like the visuals were really powerful i i felt like i could just imagine myself in some of these spaces even though these sure taking places hundreds and hundreds of years ago i believe 500 plus years ago yeah um and and that's that's wild and it's very fun and i've i've seen I, I've had the like the privilege of being able to go to Florence and I've I've been there twice now and to see the David and to see some of these amazing things that Michelangelo's created. And it's like, oh yeah, these are these are not only are these just like the coolest pictures and sculptures that you've ever seen. Also the irony that Michelangelo painted in fresco, just painted with stone, is like really funny. It's like, you know, I'm gonna paint, but it's gonna be also with rocks. And um, it's just, mm-hmm. it's so funny. And I don't know, it's so, it feels good to to listen to this book and to read this book. And it's mm-hmm. a point of, it's a perspective of history of things that I've learned about, like with the Medici's and with Cosimo and with uh, Sonorola and the huge like religious upheaval that happened while Michelangelo was 16 and like all of these like priceless pieces of art are just being burned and his brother is like part of the Mm. whole program and like i'm like if i was 15 and a religious figure came to town and was like we're gonna destroy all art including yours and your future in art will be to be towards the church and nothing else unless you uh escape basically like holy cow (laughs) that's yeah really and so that's a censorship that's like kind of insane um and it's wild. And then, you know, he perseveres. Again, he lives to be 90. Mm-hmm. So, like, he lives a full life of creating and struggling. Sure. <laughs> it's, it feels good. It feels good. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you feel like you, beyond having support or not having support, how do you feel like you uh, related to the teenage version of Michelangelo? Oh, very much so. Like mm-hmm. trying to find somebody to help me fill in the gaps that I don't know. Um, and and growing. Like you start out and people are like, oh, your stuff is really good. And you want to buy into that because you, you know, you want to feel good about yourself, about what you're doing, that you're heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And then you get somebody in your life that you have said okay i need your i need your opinion your honest opinion about where things are going and they they lovingly break you down yeah and they're like "Mm, you're not as far as you think you are and it starts this process that i think as artists is a lifelong thing where we learn to do that ourselves eventually where we learn to break ourselves down. We find we feel the moments when we get stagnant and we're like, okay, it's time to break down again. What what's not working here? What's you know, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. 
And and sometimes you need to lean back on that person and ask them because sometimes you're just so in it that you can't see your way out. Um, and sometimes you can, you know, you can adjust. Um, and it, it's tough. It's scary. Um, especially if you're trying to sell work, you know, you have people that have bought your stuff. And if you start to shift in a different direction, it's like, am I going to alienate this group of people? Are they going to like my stuff as much as they used to? Yeah. Uh, tons of self-doubt. Yeah. But yeah, just finding people to be a good sounding board. Um, and, and just learning, learning how to do things for the first time, you know, cause you want to do it right, but you can't be perfect, you know? And there's that, I think even more so for us now is the concept of perfection has been pushed so much that to try to learn something, there's so much fear and like unnecessary fear involved in it. Um, yeah. To be able to build up the resilience to get past that. It's huge. I think, uh, Michelangelo had resilience in spades here and his obsession with wanting to get better with stone carving. I found Mm -hmm. super, I don't know, relatable is the word, but I was just like inspired by it. I'm just like, you are so hardcore about wanting to be really good at this. And it is, it was his life's great love. He never married or anything. He always Mm -hmm. like he, he had many mistresses and like, he like, you know, Mm -hmm. had affairs and stuff like that, but he never like was in a relationship with anyone, but his, his craft, but the craft was like the number one thing he was he was into mm-hmm. and his dedication had truly i'm going to say no limits his dedication and i think one mm. uh, this is two parts one it pushed people away that would have been his friends there's yeah. a moment in one of the shops he's working at as an apprentice and one of his um not classmate i don't know what the word was is for like another apprentice what that relationship is but one of the other apprentices gets jealous of him and has been super friendly with him for so long. And then one day Michelangelo is like, no, I just want to focus. I don't want to chat with you. I don't want to like be distracted and we're sitting next to each other. So I have to be in your presence. And um, this guy just like beats the crap out of Michelangelo, like punches his face and breaks his whole face. Mm. And it like permanently scars him. And, (laughs) and like, he he learns lessons that way of you know you ha- you have to be kind to the people who are around you you can't just focus on your art and your actions have mm-hmm. consequences if you if you push away people yeah. that you don't want to be around so blatantly that that is a political move that you're doing and i think that early lesson he has cause that mm. happens when he's like eight, 18 i believe it lasts throughout his whole life he's a lot more careful with people from that point onward and about how you know the relationship you make early on changes how that it it changes the course of your life because later on in the story he has to stay with the family of the boy who hurt him so much and they Mm. like it's frosty (laughs) and it's interesting and yeah it's it's wild but on the other hand his dedication is fascinating and i'm gonna say a content warning here for um dead bodies um he gets obsessed with trying to figure out how the body works so much so Mm -hmm. that he's been dropping hints to people who are like like a um 
a clergyman who's been like helping him in the library and like to other people and he's like i just why do doctors get to have access to bodies why can't a stone carver Mm. i want to see what's the inside of a man looks like and he gets Mm. he gets not blatant permission but someone is like here's a key to the morgue And as a teenager, he's like, he he first can't pick up what's being put down, like literally put down in front of him, which is a key to the morgue in this library all the time Mm -hmm. by this one guy (laughs) whose name I can't remember, which is why I keep saying one guy. Um, And finally, he's like, oh, this key looks like the key to the morgue. So he goes really late one night and on the table is is a body. And he like goes through a really, I'm going to say a traumatizing experience of learning how to open up these cadavers and learn about their body parts and use them as knowledge bases for his future sculptures. Oh, wow. It's, this is what made me drop my spoon while I was cooking. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> this is well, <laughs> so intense. That's interesting. That's so interesting yeah. because Jenny Savile, I don't know if you know her history. Mm-mm. So after... After school, after college, she graduates, gets picked up by Larry Gagosian as a small group of, you know, up and coming British artists. Yeah. Who end up becoming multi-millionaires and billionaires because of that. But she moves to New York uh, and has a studio there because Larry has buildings and one of them is her studio. So she moves there to work. Well, she ends up getting a job with a plastic surgeon mm. and she literally gets to go into the OR with the plastic surgeon and sketch the surgeries. Yeah. Uh, and then during her lunch, she said she would go next door to the medical library and they had books and books and books and books of autopsies and different procedures and that kind of thing. That's how she learned anatomy. And to hear that, it's like, that makes sense. Like, how else can you truly learn anatomy but by seeing it literally unraveled in front of you? Like, she's able to paint skin because she understands from her time in the plastic surgery procedures how skin is actually layered. Mm -hmm. What, What this layer of skin color looks on top of this so she uses this translucency to build up her skin tones and her paintings and that's why they look so real it's she gets how things like how flesh bends around bone and blood vessels and nerves and all of that Mm -hmm. and that just takes time it takes years like i think she was with them for like five or six years learning um, and she just did. She just like walked in and asked him if she could, you know, come in and and draw. And she said, it sounds odd, but they were totally OK with me doing that. This and she's like, you know, had to be had discretion and everything. But yeah, like Michael it's wild. would have been so jealous of this honor back in the day, back 500 yeah. years ago when he was alive. Doctors were only allowed to go into cadavers like this twice a year in public audiences and the fact that mm. he was able to have this access, which he only had this access for about a month, I believe. It was like mm. a very short amount of time before um, sure. the religious upheaval happened and he had to escape Rome or escape Florence for Rome. Okay. And um, 
he so he's by himself he has like his tools and he has to make sure that there's no trace of him being there right so it's like the dead of night he's like learning the smell of a corpse and like trying to keep it together he's a teenager he's like a child right and he's like going in there figuring out how lungs work because he's just so desperate to learn about what happens underneath the skin and this book goes into detail and it made me a little mm. nauseous for a moment. So if you, this is if this book is like I want to read this, and you you want to skip over it, you can do that. But it was a uh, it was intense. But like afterward, he was like there was a noticeable difference in the way he was like m- carving stone and the way he was drawing. Because of mm-hmm. course there was, of course there was, and yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing that he was one able to get this opportunity and i believe it was from a, a religious figure that was running the public library at the time that was like okay you're gonna keep asking i might as well give you <laughs> like if mm-hmm. you're gonna drink you might as well be under supervision sort of thing but with cadavers this is so wild that's a weird analogy stephanie okay <laughs> um <laughs> but like uh he does that and um ugh, wild just like creepy crawlies but i was like oh yeah i forgot about this part this part's <laughs> so mm-hmm. scandalous um yeah but i think his curiosity Devotion. was one of his greatest tools yeah just that, like he was never the kind of person to like walk in like he didn't walk into his apprenticeship thinking he knew everything right he didn't he just he wanted to learn like wanted to learn so the, badly the way he was so- the the way he was annoying was he wanted to learn everything he could and he kept bugging his his teacher to teach him more and he's just like you know trying to give him as much as he can and michelangelo still couldn't get enough like he was still sneaking around and trying to find more things to do you know to have a student that would be that enthusiastic is like any teacher's wildest dreams Mm -hmm. except i guess if you're running an apprentice studio (laughs) 500 years ago (laughs) well and that's like to have that voracious of an appetite for things you almost have to teach them how to self-monitor like Mm -hmm. i know you're going to try to learn without me let Mm -hmm. me give you a few tools to help you along the way so it's not so bumpy but understand you are going to run into some pitfalls at some point yeah (laughs) because you open every door and not every door has something nice behind it (laughs) It's true. It's true. Uh, There's this quote in the book that says, the most perfect guide is nature. Continue to, Mm -hmm. without fail, to draw something every single day, every day. And, um, you know, when Michelangelo says that, he really means it. He means that kind Mm -hmm. of intensely. (laughs) And I feel like once you read that passage, you're like, oh, that whole quote changes. (laughs) And and it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good story. It's good. Because I think, you know, if you do study nature every day and base your stuff off that, the line work, the the movement, the flow is there. Mm-hmm. And once you learn that, you can apply it to any subject. Um, but nature has all of those forms. So it's like... A leaf, the side of a leaf, is the same curve as the, the hips of a woman. Like, think about that. It's a similar curve. 
can be depending on the leaf. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. So that I remember drawing that shape. I can call back on that. And it's the repetitiveness to learn like to the point where it's a subconscious thing where you're just like, okay, I need that shape and your body just does it. I think that's more of why he wants it every day because mm -hmm. it's, it's that. And it's just to be diligent, like to constantly be learning, to constantly be moving forward and pushing yourself. Yeah, it's good. This book is all about diligence. Mm. It's all about uh -huh. embracing your own genius. Like Michelangelo knew <laughs> he was good and it wasn't egotistical in a way. I think he uh -huh. was just like, no, I must do this. And it is like that it is the life's calling. And it. I feel uh -huh. like all artists have a call to some degree like this, where it's just like, no, I, I must create. <laughs> and yeah, it. You, you, you got to listen because it's going to call and call and call until it stops, I guess. Um, and that's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> call it Hulu. <laughs> no. Yeah. Cause I don't know oh, for you if it, if it's this way, but like, if I don't do something creative during the day, um, I, I'm, I'm off kilter. Like I'm, I'm just not in a good mental headspace. I'm a little grumpier because I've got all this stuff like trapped in my brain that I want to get out. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just as much a part of living as anything else. Like yeah, physically moving your body and doing something and having that connected to something like creating, like it's important that you do that. It's the, just as important as breathing and drinking water and everything else it's 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 using that muscle it's so cool um mm. there's some points later on in this book that i'm not going to talk about too much but it's kind of fun to think about michelangelo's contemporaries um he mm. Didn't have a lot of crossover, but there was some crossover with like Leonardo da Vinci and Raphael, a lot of the great popes of the time and not so great popes of the time. <laughs> and there was there's mm -hmm. a lot of famous figures in in Michelangelo's life, and it's it's fun to get a glimpse of his opinions of these people. Which remembering that these came these stories came from his letters, I'm like, oh, th these feel real. These feel very very <laughs> real, <laughs> and it's 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 fun to have like. I feel like the novelization part of this book is like easing, getting you to feel like, oh, I I might have written that letter, right? I might have been in that moment yeah. and feeling that way. Um, yeah, I mean, are you thinking about continuing with this book? Are you going to keep reading it? Yeah, I would like to read it for yeah. sure. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, how would you? How mm. are you rating the book so far? So far, I think that it is uh, like a four and a half or a five nice. for me. Nice. It's engaging. So Super engaging. Yeah, yeah. If you are someone who struggles with reading uh, names that are ancient, I would highly <laughs> recommend the audiobook. It's great because you're like, oh, that's how you pronounce this word with way too many vowels. <laughs> and it's, know, it's right? good. I have been really enjoying the audiobook. I'm giving this book a five out of five stars. It's okay. I 
I have 10 more hours in the audiobook and I've been loving listening. It's like a perfect studio book, I think. Like you put it on while you're painting mm. and it's it's great. You're just like, you're painting your thing and you're like, <laughs> he's carving his thing and it feels good. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And it's it's quite fun. And I, I feel like Michelangelo is so relatable. So, you know, yeah, would yeah. recommend this book. Is there any last quotes or anything you want to read? Um, or any last thoughts here? Let me see. Had one thing that I did a highlight. There's some excellent quotes on Goodreads, by the way. If you're like just casually interested, you should look them up because they're just on their own. They're just inspiring. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh. Here he was, living in the Medici Palace, enjoying the contemplation of unlimited artworks to study, a corner of the sculpture garden full of beautiful marble to, marble to carve. He fell asleep with a smile on his lips. He woke with the first sunlight, quietly dressed, and went out to the halls of the palace. He ran his hands over the antique marble of Marsyas, the figures of Faustinia, <laughs> and africanus studied the richly color colored venetian paintings in what appeared to be a withdrawing room so like yeah just he was so excited mm -hmm. yeah it's so good like you can you can see the like early morning he's just like pulled on like what we would make like kind of the equivalent of a sweater and like walked his way out to this little garden with all this marble to carve and it's early morning the birds are quiet it's quiet it's a little misty and cold yeah he's you can feel it he's his enthusiasm for it is great and very teenage at this moment that she's reading from and mm -hmm. it, it feels it feels good there's one thing i want last thing i want to talk about which was uh michelangelo's views on women he mm -hmm. was attracted to women. He liked women. He liked looking at them. He liked having sex with them. He <laughs> never wanted to carve them. And he states multiple times in his early 20s to like teenage years where he finds that the bodies of women are simply less interesting to him than the bodies of men. And mm. I wonder if this book had been written in uh, like <laughs> the 2000s or even more recently than, you know, what 62 or something like that um 58 and it would probably touch more on his views on the sexes and the roles of that because he definitely had a lot of admiration for his stepmother because the way he, he writes yeah. about her is like and his grandmother he like really honors them and honors mm -hmm. their work but he never finds women worthy of drawing or carving unless it's a madonna <laughs> and i thought okay. that never really changes throughout his life and that never really shifts mm. and it's it's interesting to see the difference in his mind and how that shifts and how i don't know his perspective there he he says uh, i'm paraphrasing here he says that the bodies of men have all that is needed to capture his interest and 
he can find everything he needs there instead of the bodies of women and a lot of animals. He's like, why do I need to carve horses? I don't need horses. Um, mm. <laughs> but he eventually does that, but mm-hmm. like, he's like, what's the point of this? <laughs> um, yeah, he has a, a a real obsession with the form of man. And that's just, it's just interesting. It comes up mm. a lot. And I think the further yeah. into the book I get, the more I'll, I'll come up with the... I'm not going to say flaws in his thinking, but just like the aspects of his thinking there. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it would be quite opposite spoken of now. Yeah. You know, it would be uh, we find the male figure less interesting than the female figure. Right. <laughs> um, uh, whether that is because of marketing and, you know, what we see around us every day, which I think has a huge influence um i could see you know back then a lot of you know if you look at greek marbles that kind of thing it's a lot of male figures yes they have female figures but like and i wonder if some of that doesn't come from his first teacher because if you remember his first teacher says why do i need to paint the rest of the body all that anybody pays attention to is the hands and the face it's and true. sometimes like the feet his his master literally never finishes a female form. Mm-hmm. He just kind of like draws a V at the bottom of the body where the legs would finish and that's it. He never finishes it and they're always clothed. He's like, why would I draw a naked form? It's not necessary. Yeah. And like, of course, Michelangelo is like, but, 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 you know, but yeah, I think a lot of what we would consider propaganda or uh marketing material from that day was probably heavily male weighted mm-hmm. so for him to find that form more aesthetic yeah would make sense because that's what he's seeing most of when he's in you rome know, that's mm-hmm. yeah when he's in rome he has the opportunity to go to the uh private baths that are around where a lot of people mm. like do mm-hmm. business exchanges and stuff and the mm-hmm. friend that's leading him around is like there's a women's bath too that we could go to um, you know, a lot of them are the ones that we could enter are filled with prost- prostitutes and um, women of the sex trade. And he's like, no, I don't need to. Just the men are fine. <laughs> like, So it's not like he didn't mm-hmm. have the opportunity. He was just like, no, I'm we must continue to carve the man. <laughs> and like, and uh, funny. state the elephant in the room. I, I wonder if there's another conversation to be had there. Right. You are know, you not that. as straight as you say you are? <laughs> Because right. he does go into, I don't, he's probably not gotten past his, like, first love of Contesina. Um, he does have romantic relationships with, or, like, sexual relationships with people starting when he's, like, 21. Um, and it goes into, like, heavy detail. It's actually pretty explicit in this book. You're just like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's not more explicit than the t- cadaver scene, so I was like... Okay, right. <laughs> there's a lot of word uses of the word penetration happening here, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, yeah, but I'm like, maybe he, if again, if this book was written in the tw- 2000s, would would they be talking yeah. about was he in, like right. sexually into men? I don't know. Right. And back then, it uh, I'm sure it was not safe to even mention it. You know, if you were. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, it it well, might have maybe been. Maybe not. Because culture is so weird. Like, it is weird. Greek culture was 
was like it was common. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was common. It's it was understood. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't a big thing. The world didn't turn upside down because yeah. of it. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it kind of has this like this ebb and flow of acceptance in cultures. So I wonder if he was I mean, obviously since it was a very heavily religious time, I wouldn't say it probably was frowned upon. So that may be why he would be quiet about it and never I think really it, mention it. I think it was frowned upon because there is a mention of a sermon by Sonorilla, um, who's like the the person who wanted to take over the planet. Um, <laughs> um, and he was like, he did mention people having like boys for sex as like a sin mm-hmm. that needed to be rid of and cleansed of in Florence at one point. Um, mm. So maybe I, I think I need to continue reading the book because again, I'm only at the point where he's 22. I'm like, this ha- first half of okay, the book yeah. is like just his childhood. So yeah. I also am curious. I wonder since the letters have been translated, I'm like, I wonder if they're published. I wonder if you can just go and read them. Mm, the translations. Maybe. It's interesting. That'd be cool if you could. I would right? venture to say that somebody's probably put them out there. I'd I'm find not- it hard to believe that they weren't. I'm gonna go have a look. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little search, and if I yeah. find something, I will put it in the show notes, friends and foes. Um, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts before I wrap this up? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Great book. It's great a great book. book. Yeah, Good I. Choice. I'm looking forward to reading more of by Irving Stone. He's got one on. Oh, I had this up. One second. He has one on. I, I believe Vincent Van Gogh, which is mm. much Ooh. shorter. It's 430 pages. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was written before this one. So I, okay. I think it's also a novelization. It's called Lust for Life. Um, but he has like lots of novelized biographies that I'm like, I mm. think I gotta, I think I gotta read more of these. This guy's interesting. I like yeah. his style. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because Van Gogh's interesting. Like I've seen, I've seen the letters between him and his brother, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's fascinating to kind of tie all this stuff together with the pieces that he created at that time, and just to see, because especially Van Gogh, like the end of his life was, I mean, basically he painted for what three years of his life, wild, wild. and then yeah, <laughs> we should read a book about him. Gone. Maybe in 2024. Yeah. 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 Speaking of books for next year, are you ready to hear mm-hmm. the book for January? This is a book we have mentioned I before am. here on the podcast. And it has been, it's come up like two or three times in other books we've read. And I've just been like, you know, we got to do it. So we are going to read Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists by Linda mm-hmm. uh, Nicolin, I believe is how you say your name. Or no, let's see. Mm-hmm. Nocklin. I'll figure it out. I'm sorry for butchering your last name, but we are going to read yeah, it. I think it it's is Nocklin. Nocklin. It's an essay. It's about, it's really little. It's, it's teeny tiny. Mm. Um, and it has pictures if you get the print version and like a million notes at the back. Ooh. But it's like a hundred pages um, in this okay. tiny text. So yeah, because uh, I, th- I figured I've, I've just been like piggybacking each book based on the last book we read. I'm like, we read about a great mm-hmm. historical figure. It's time to read about why there's no great women artists Female. in history yeah yeah um yeah so we're gonna read that and we're gonna meet up in january and i think it's gonna be super fun 
Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Nomad, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at visualnomad.art. That is my website. And you can find me on here at visualnomad. Um, yeah. That's where you can find me. Oh, uh, Instagram at visualnomad. Uh, double underscore. Nice. You should go give her a follow because she posts really pretty paintings all the time. And it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything coming up? Anything you want to promote or talk about? Um, I, my store is open at the moment. It will probably close shortly. Um, I'm pretty much done taking orders for Christmas. Um, but I do have prints and some originals up and I will be adding to that over time. Nice. Um, so yeah, starting to narrow things down. If you want something um, from her store, wanna... you gotta go quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it, do it. Um, but we drop ship. It's all good. We'll get it to you. Uh, it's fairly reasonable, and uh, yeah, sweet. Um, yep. You you can find me at stephaniescott.art over on Instagram. That's also my website. You can find the podcast over at Brushwork Pod on Instagram. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you should leave a comment on what your favorite Michelangelo sculpture is. That's what I want to know. <laughs> um, and give us a like, thumbs comment, up. and subscribe. Like, comment, mm-hmm. and subscribe. Thumbs up, follow. hearts, all the things. Yes. <laughs> do all the things and we'll catch you back in january uh peace out girl scouts Uh, make good choices see you later bye